What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, November 16th, 2020. This week's episode, Fight of the fly Fighting Flyweights. Try saying that five times fast. <laughs> we'll be talking about everything from this weekend. Paul Felder's entertaining scrap with former champion Rafael Dos Anjos. We'll be talking about the latest matchups announced in the UFC. We'll talk about the recently resumed Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix, the fights coming up, and the results from this past week. And we will end it. There is a lot of flyweight action going on. Both titles on the line and an undercard featuring some of the top talent in both the men's and women's divisions. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez and I'm here with my co-host Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Woohoo. Are you feeling the uh, Thanksgiving, like, giddy excitement uh, energy after Thanksgiving? Or is it not as the same, not as exciting because of, you know, COVID? Honest to goodness, Thanksgiving, uh, uh, you know what? I may get some heat for this, but that's one that almost <laughs> doesn't register on my calendar. What? For the like sim- pumpkin pie? I, I love it. I actually am more like a cherry pie kind of person, but um, okay. uh, you know what? To me, it's just I've always kind of worked a lot toward the holidays and just it's just one of those times where it's like, dude, you know, I'm kind of like, yes, the dinner is nice, but usually for me, like something's ramping up. And um, I think last year I worked, I think the year before we had the Golden Boy MMA fight week and stuff like that. So you know, I can't say that it's like, ah, oh, you know, like, yes, I'm here for this and that. Also, small family, so not too much of the, yeah, you know, like, let's difference. bring them all together. We don't do that, so. Okay. You? Is that your well, thing? I love Thanksgiving. My favorite is Christmas. That's my favorite holiday. Uh, obviously, it will be different for everyone this year, but, you know, we'll just make the most of it and uh, look forward to next year, hopefully to uh, resume the uh, large gatherings with family members and and additional folks. But uh, yeah, well, I love pumpkin pie. My favorite pie, though, is if we're going to go into this, I might as well. Uh, banana cream pie from Marie Callender's. That's my number one favorite pie. I mean, um, Kahlua cream kind of has to take the cake over there on Marie Callender's. But oh, we could I've sit never tried that. Okay. try it and okay. bring it back next week for the show. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Natalie, let's get into it, though. Yeah. Um, this one, Paul Felder for five rounds. He looked good, but the wrestling, just the well-roundedness, the multifaceted attack of RDA. I think Felder was getting the better of a couple of those exchanges on the feet, but RDA was right there with him. And let's be honest, uh, RDA, he was ready to grapple. He was ready to get him down and... We know that he's a very, very accomplished grappler. I think people forget that because he's become so much better on the feet. He's hung with so many people on the feet. But RDA's grappling really just was the X factor. Paul Felder could hang with him for five rounds, standing, did some damage, almost got him with the spinning back elbow. But when it came down to get to the mat, RDA was able to keep him there very often and um yeah i had all rounds for rda but what did you think of the way the fight played out and everything else you know i was so surprised by rda's performance i was kind of writing him off last week you know three years at 170 what's he gonna look like but i mean he came to play man his physique impressive he looked like the rda of old at 155 when he you know took the belt from from um anthony pettis still fast still slick striking i mean he he kind of blew me away man and hearing him talk you know khabib's khabib's out of the picture and i guess he thought um i mean i think he was coming down to 155 before all that anyway but he figured like you know what i can really make a name for myself at the top five here and um had a little bit of a delay coming back at, at 155 because of covid so you knew he really wanted to make an impression. He was going to win at all costs. And so so for me, even though he looked amazing, I was a little disappointed in his uh, game plan. Obviously very effective to hold Felder up against the cage, but I just wanted to see them kind of stand in the middle and, and have it out, especially 
because Felder did, you know, he really did RDA a favor and, and was able to not just like, okay, anyone could have stepped in to, to fight RDA, but Felder, a ranked um, 155er with a lot of, you know, high pedigree, big name. He does commentary. Like everybody knows who he is. RDA was lucky to get that guy to step in. And uh, I kind of wish that he would have done him a favor, done him a solid and be like, thanks for, thanks for stepping in. I'm going to fight. I'm just going to fight you in the middle of the octagon. Of course, that would never happen. That's what I was hoping for. It kind of made me think of when Silva stepped in uh, to fight DC. And I was a little bummed out that DC just kept taking him to the ground because, you know, he knew that was his best chance to win. So it's all good fight, strong performance by both. But, uh, you know, pie in the sky, uh, uh, wishes and dreams did not come true. But nonetheless, RDA made a statement and uh, 155, man, that's that's continuing to evolve and still staying, in my opinion, the best the best division out there in the UFC. I mean, you knew Cormier, like, you don't just wake up and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stand with Anderson Silva for 15 minutes. I mean, he kind of tried. Minutes. He's like, I got kicked in the stomach. He's like, okay, forget it. I'm that happened late, though. He was taking him down from the get-go. Yeah, okay. Let, let's talk about Felder. Let's talk. Uh, Felder, uh, look, you know, uh, I believe Bisping brought it up. When you've been in camp and your body's been banged up a bit, you know, Felder just looked like he had a good night's sleep. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I felt like he was moving very fluid. He just... He just had that mojo, just to everything about his body language, especially in those first few minutes. It, just all systems go. I felt like that was the best start he's had in a while, all things considering. Um, when you compare it with the fights with Barbosa and Dan Hooker, he just he just looked very loose. I think that the lack of camp, the lack of that wear and tear really helped him. I do like that he said he's feeling reinvigorated. It seems like the retirement talk is done. It looks like he wants to get back out there. He had a nice call to action. You know, if you've missed weight, like I'm here to tell you, eight days notice, 30 pounds, no excuse. I liked everything he said. I liked everything about his attitude. There's definitely fun fights for him at 155, ranked, unranked, everything else for sure. Let's shit. Well, first off, do you have anything to add about Paul Felder? No, no, that that's that's uh, all that needs to be said, I think. I mean, six, four, five days, four days notice, four days and some change from the time they announced it Monday. And the dude's about to commentate a contender series tomorrow. Is it's he insane. actually going to do that? Yes. Wow. It's wild. You know what? A company man. Look, they don't give awards for that at the World MMA Awards, but, <laughs> you know, no one else could really compete with that. So I want to give full credit. That was gangster. Like, all, just let the man have his moment. That not many guys in his position would do that. Um, to talk about RDA, uh, look, the thing about him at 155, I think that uh, as good as he is, I think as consistent as he's been, he's just as dangerous as he's always been in terms of his game. Look, he fought a lot of tough guys. Look at the top three, like, Colby, Kamaru, Leon Edwards. By the way, before he left, Tony Ferguson. He's fought Habib. Um, you know, he's had probably, I'll say it. I don't think there's anybody out there who's had a tougher schedule. Honest to goodness. I don't think there's anybody who's had a, you know, break down his last 10, everybody else's last 10 that have you could look back at and say, oh, yeah, you know, th- his was better than RDA. There, there's just not. The thing about it is that I do think that um, he's got the same things kind of like when he left 155. Things are so hot right now at the top that it's hard for me to see him sneaking in there unless there were some kind of fallout. And I don't want to say always a short notice, but a couple things have to really go right for RDA. For example, you know, I heard Dan Hooker thrown out. That's a great fight, but... When I look at the bigger fights, I mean, Charles Oliveira, I think Charles is still ahead of him. He's on a great win streak. Then there's obviously just this big five, big six. I lose count. Uh, Let's take Tony. Sorry, let's take Habib out of it. You still got Tony, Michael Chandler, Connor, Poirier, Justin Gaethje still up there. There's so many guys that I just put ahead of him that unless you have a lot of fallout and guys not taking fights... I just don't see a scenario where RDA is still on that short list to break into the title picture, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I'm looking at the UFC rankings, and they don't seem to have been updated yet. So Felder still sits at seven. I don't know if losing to RDA would drop him down, but at the very least, I'd be curious where they're going to put RDA in this uh, top 15 here. Do you have any, like, leanings towards a number on where you think he'll land? I mean, I think that uh, you kind of jostled them around. I don't know the top 10 off the top of my head. I know who should be there, but, you know, once again, the rankings, they're more guidelines than actual rules. (laughs) It's my favorite line. Um, Whoever's at number eight probably gets shifted up to number seven. And then Felder probably drops to around nine or ten, and then RDA gets ahead of him at eight, something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that would move Diego Fajeda up to seven. Felder goes down. So Kevin Lee probably gets booted out of the, uh, because he's number ten. And he's been on a layoff, too. And I think he said he's taking time off, so that almost even makes sense. Okay. Not that he could come back and make a splash again, but, you know. Once again, once again, these are very fluid. They're like the, you know, like Bruce Lee, like water. You know what I mean? (laughs) But yeah, I think that he jumps in there. Uh, Even the the win over Islam probably would have put him, I I mean, not as high. I think he would have been in that 10 to 15 range. But still, I think that's where he would have ended up, even with his pedigree behind him, you know? Yeah. Um, I like Dan Hooker. I could see the Islam Makachev fight still happening just because I feel like the Habib, you know, aspect of it is still there. But yeah, yeah. So Hooker or Makachev, those are my two front runners for RDA. Do you have anyone that really, really stands out to you? Actually, Hooker was was who I was thinking of just looking at the rankings. But yeah, of course, if if uh, Islam is ready when RDA is ready again. Maybe they'll do it. I don't know. If I'm RDA, I'd probably say, no, I'm just looking up now. I beat number seven, you know, looking up only, but we'll see. I mean, I th- you know, it's one of those. It's just going to be quite the um, it's going to be quite the situation. I'll, I'll be honest. I think we're all waiting for a lot of shoes to drop. I mean, we know that Poirier is in, but then it looks like Connor. Uh, you know, we, we all see Helwani when he tweets about it and all that. It's not a done deal. Um, Tony wants to fight soon, and we haven't heard about when Michael Chandler's going to really make his debut. There's so much stuff in the air, and obviously, um, uh, I'll say this. With the schedule, uh, Natalie, I have no idea how they're going to sort out all of these guys in the next few months. Because it feels like February onward... Everybody should be like, hey, this is time. It's been it's right around that time that we should be ready to go. But when you look at just, you know, the title fights, it's hard to sort it that when we talk about all of these big non-title matches like Jorge Colby, for example, I really don't know how you're actually going to sort all these guys without, you know, some people aren't going to be on pay-per-view. Some people are going to be on fight nights and, you know, like... It's going to be a very, very wild schedule. I don't know how they're going to sort it all out. But I'll say this. People are getting to that point. I think we're going to start chomping at the bit to see when and where people are actually going to end up. Yeah, man. I was just thinking, like, wouldn't it be cool? They're not going to do it, of course. But wouldn't it be cool if on the uh, pay-per-view where, you know, supposedly Conor and Poirier fight, if they just made it kind of like a lightweight tournament and just whoever else was free from the top 15 just put them on the card make them fight each other and then you know we'll see what happens after that you know nice the the nice thing about that you could put so many freaking dudes on that card and it would just make sense as a pay-per-view at lightweight like just okay let's say okay let's say habib is like you know what you want to fight me and bring me back you got to prove yourself i could see them doing a whole thing conor poirier Tony Chandler in the co-main. Mm-hmm. You put Charles Oliveira against, I don't know, give him maybe Hooker, Hooker. maybe Gaethje. Yeah. Um, put RDA and Islam as the final fight and just who looks good. And then match up the guys on the undercard. Match up the winner of Tony Chandler against, you know, it would be the first interim champs title defense, either Conor or Poirier. If you've gotten through all those dudes... Then Habib is like, come on, you know, now we have a super fight. Now we're cooking with the gas. But 
that's so much negotiating that I know is not going to work perfectly. But it would be so much fun. That would be a good night of TV. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's talk about some stuff that did get sorted out on, you know, pen and paper, huh? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, Alistair Overeem. He's coming back. He's taking on Alexander Volkov. I just had the date. Um, February 6th. So it's going to be one of our fight nights in 2021. Um, I like it stylistically. I think this is a really fun one. Um, the thing about it, you know, it's like the last, you know, the last hurrah of Alistair Overeem, right? Can he get to a title fight? I think that this fight would really get him in that striking distance. But then I'm thinking about you got Curtis Blades about to fight Derek Lewis a uh, week after next, you know, next week. Man, I don't know. I mean, and then you have the John Jones factors that I look at it for all of these guys and I'm like, dude. Stipe cannot fight Francis soon enough because at this point, I really don't know um, when, if any time that in 2021, that Alistair Blades or anybody else besides Jones is going to get a shot at the heavyweight title after Nganu. I just don't. I mean, you kind of get the feeling Stipe, like, I don't know, he might just retire. Like, I don't think he's going to want to stick around and wait for John Jones to decide. He wants to maybe dip his toe, you know. So, assuming he beats Ngannou, Steve beats Ngannou. So, I mean, that could be interesting, too. That's just how I feel that he's kind of he's kind of leaning. And um, But, yeah, what does that mean for Alistair Overeem? Uh, Rosen strikes at number three. He already lost to him in that crazy, you know, buzzer beater at the end there. Um, Lewis Blades, you said are fighting okay. So yeah, he's kind of just in uh, in limbo, waiting like you know, waiting to see. Hopefully for him, he wins his fight. But then what? Right? Very interesting. That kind of kind of stinks. Sorry. Go ahead. I'll say this: the tough thing about Overeem and Blades is like, okay, they're waiting for the Inganu Jones thing to sort out how. Like, look, Stipe could get into a war and we we don't even see him again in 2021, right? I mean, yeah. he's fighting Francis Ngannou. Same thing for Ngannou. That was a rough fight the first time, right? I mean, if you're, let's say Blades wins, let's say Derek Lewis wins, just to throw it out there. Then you have Overeem. Do they fight each other? Logically speaking, they should, but... If you're Overeem, like, or Blades or Lewis, why would you want that? Lewis more, but Blades, since he's already beaten Overeem, it's like, why would you take that fight? And if you're Overeem, I'm sorry, but you know Blades is just going to try to wrestle you. At least you fight uh, Stipe or Nganu, you know they're going to stand with you, more likely. So it's like, I I really don't know. Like, it's just... Someone's getting the short end of the stick in that heavyweight picture. Someone's waiting too long. Someone's going to have to take a fight to stay active. I don't know, but they're just all the pieces, all the way they're set up. I don't see everybody getting fed in 2021. I just don't know how you could do it. Yeah, that's how it looks, man. And it sucks for for Overeem because, you know, everyone wants to get their shot. But he's already come around once with Stipe and was close and like you know no offense not get any younger but you know in heavyweight you have a little more um leash on life there so so it's not like he's right at the very end but he's close and like it's uh you want your champion to be fighting all the time but you know that's only it's it's rare right it's rare in the ufc um so it's just sitting on your hands see what happens I do believe they'll figure it out. I just, um, like I said, someone's going to have to take a fight. They probably don't want to. Not for fear or anything, just business-wise. It's like, look, you know, if you're going to lose, potentially you want it to be in a title fight. And, you know, if it doesn't make sense, you don't want to take more risks than you have to. Because once again, you never know what might happen. You get into a war with somebody, you're not healthy. And lo and behold, your heavy, you know, your heavyweight contender uh stubs his toe and suddenly you could have stepped in but you got into a war with somebody else it's such a tough one you know so yeah it makes you think of uh like oh joanne calderwood exactly with, uh, uh, uh jennifer no, maya. Uh, maya yeah jennifer maya duh. don't forget <laughs> yeah. we got to talk about her soon. i know we got to talk about it right now <laughs> uh, no I, I was about to bring that up exactly 
And okay. it's like, dude, look what can happen. There's a reason why people don't like doing it unless they have to sometimes. So who knows? Anyway, we'll move on. There were a couple other fights that really caught my attention. Um, Kelvin Gastelum, Ian Heinich on January 30th. Ian was obviously supposed to fight recently and he got COVID. Kelvin, um, he's on that rough two fight, three fight skid, if I'm not mistaken now. Um, he lost to Joker Hermanson recently. Um, I, I like that fight for Ian. I think Kelvin, this suddenly starts to feel like, you know, like this is still a tough guy that if you beat him, you can make a case for another notable name. But I think that uh, anything else, though, it's like, I, I hate to say, but like he almost, it'll start to look like he peaked when he fought out of Sonya. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that that's what makes this such a high stakes fight for Kelvin. I think that he never like psychologically recovered from that canceled championship out with Whitaker because, you know, who knows what would have happened, but he was ready. He was ready to go. Okay, fine. He had to reset, fought Adesanya. And that was just a killer war. And then it's like, now what? Right now I got to fight these guys and work my way back up. Like, it's just, it, I can just imagine like how I would feel almost like you, you got to convince yourself to be motivated to, to convince yourself that you are motivated. Like, I just don't think he's, he's back in it yet after all that drama. Um, and like that, and then to, to lose against Jack Hermanson the way he did so quickly round one, like that's just tough, man. That's tough. Like that's a lot of mental work he's going to have to do to get himself back in, back in the spirit uh, of things and, and like get his confidence back. You know, the thing about, yeah, like you said, just, it's so demoralizing because he felt like he never really fought when you talk yeah. about the Jack Hermanson fight. It's like it happened so fast and it's such a tactical error. It wasn't like, man, I got out fought and then he knocked me out. You know, you got to think about that factor. And look, the fact is, it is suddenly that starts to settle in. If you're a guy like Kelvin in his position, you know, and he has to work through those demons, right? He has to put those numbers out of the way and just be like, look, I'm still this guy who could do these things and fight. And then once again, going to Ian Heinich, I mean, this is like a win-win. I mean, if I forget who is going to fight. Was it Brendan Allen, if I'm not mistaken? Um, I mean, this, like, like, dude, like you literally got one of the best fights you could have after you had a fight canceled. So yeah, this is a big one for him. Um, another one, the return of Macy Barber on February 13th. She's going to be fighting Alexa Grasso. Um, correct me if I'm mistaken, that's a flyweight fight also. So we're getting into this <laughs> night of the fighting flyweights, if I may say so myself. Um, you know what? I think the big thing that stood out to me, this is not an easy fight. Like, I think that, um, I'll just say it. I feel like Macy was set up in a good way against Roxanne Modafferi. I can't say I feel the same way about the matchup with Alexa Grasso. I think that they are, they want to see if Macy can handle the fire because Alexa looked great in her flyweight debut. You know she's been working on her ground game and we already know about her boxing. So Macy's powerful, but this is a very tough stylistic matchup, especially if she struggles to get Alexa down to the ground, in my opinion. So what do you think about this yeah, one? Yeah, that, that's a good, that's a good fight. Alexa's, uh, she always, for me, was like hit or miss. Sometimes she would come out with amazing striking. Sometimes it was just like she was just waiting to pull the trigger, waiting and waiting and waiting, and then she, you know, never just wouldn't do enough to win the fight. So it was very frustrating. So her last fight, her debut at 125, was great, very exciting. Uh, Macy Barber was, I mean, I'm not counting her out, but she came in with so much hype. She was um, sort of like uh, the new favorite. A female fighter for Dana, of Dana White's got that sense anyway, and uh, you know that loss to to Roxanne didn't she get? Is she? I'm, I might be confusing her with another fighter. Didn't she get injured too? No, she got she, injured. That's why she's been out. Remember, she hurt the right. knee early Maybe in the she, fight. That's yeah. right. That's right. Okay, then I'm thinking of the right, right person. Okay, yeah. So you know that's gonna be the thing we'll be looking out for. But she's super tough mentally, physically. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll obviously get into it when it's time, but this is a tough one. How is she going to look? Is Alexa Grasso going to, you know, stay committed to finishing a fight? That's what I want to see. 
fun stuff from the flyweight division for the women, which, um, you know, we're about to talk about UFC 255, but I wanted to touch on it real quick. Um, Bellator, we didn't preview it last week, but they had a, you know, quite the showstopper at the end of it. Patricio Pitbull uh, knocks out Pedro Carvalho. That was, um, you know what, uh, I-, I tweeted it out. You know, remember, this is the fight that Pitbull picked out for himself when they did the Grand Prix and they did the whole, the the selection bracket and they did the draw and all that stuff. Um, it took a few months to get there, but I tweeted that Pitbull threw himself a bone with this matchup. <laughs> I felt, I never once felt like he was out of control of that fight. Pedro did look like, hey, I need to do something and he... He had the sense of urgency, but I just don't think he had the particular tools he needed to slow down that onslaught of the pit bull. Uh, very impressed. Um, I know Emmanuel Sanchez got the win on the undercard over Daniel Weichel. I would... I, this is why you'd really... I, I'll say this. Of all the events outside of PFL that kind of got flipped over, the fact that now we got this situation where we have to wait for them to fight and the semifinal is about to be decided this week with AJ McKee and Darian Caldwell. It's so frustrating because now it doesn't feel like a tournament. It just feels like we're kind of doing this very out of order, wackadoo, and it just doesn't make sense. And it's like, no, you know, we need them to square off already. So a little frustrating. I know that uh, Sanchez went the distance with Pitbull before and it was a close fight, but... um. I mean, it's just hard to see anybody beating Pitbull until that final. Um, and we, we, look, I think I speak for everybody. If uh, Caldwell beats uh, AJ, that makes him look very good. But I think we've all kind of been sitting and waiting for that AJ McKee final, potentially. That's hard to, you know, I know that's counting a lot of chickens before they hatch. But I'll say it like it is. We all know how good that fight would be if they make it. Yeah, I want to see AJ McKee and Pitbull. That, that's, that's the money fight for me. When I saw the way Pitbull knocked out um, Pedro, Pedro, I was like, oh. <laughs> At first, I couldn't even process what had happened. I had to literally rewind it like three times. I was like, oh, there were two punches in there. It was like the left hook and then the camera angle was behind Pedro. So I didn't even really process the right that came, that came behind it. And I was like, oh, that was kind of a fast call, fast stoppage. And then I watched it again and again. I was like, oh, no, man. He was like completely out. His hands extended. And then he covered his face, so it's actually a good stoppage. Um, and it was so easy for Pitbull, just like, eh. <laughs> he was calm, patient, didn't overexert himself, never, yeah, never got in any kind of danger. He was just like, I think I'll finish this fight and now. And then he did. And so um, I had seen Emmanuel Sanchez's fight before that. And when Pitbull came out the winner, I thought, oh boy, okay, well. You know, one person went the distance and one person finished in like what round one, two. I don't remember when it, when it was over. One, it was in one, the first. yes. Yep. <laughs> so the writing's a little bit on the wall. Not to count anybody out, not to count out Sanchez out, but you know, as you said, who's going to be stopping Pitbull anytime soon? I don't know, but the person who has the best shot and is a very exciting fighter, of course, in my opinion, AJ McKee. So it does suck, as you pointed out, that we have to wait because they're off. They're completely on different. They're on different roads in different counties and different yeah. states. Like, you know, the we have to wait a They're while. They're like you and going. I when I went to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, exactly. Like that. <laughs> different time zones. And so we're just going to have to wait. And, and yeah, the luster of the, the tournament, it, it's gone. But that happened to everybody. Every entity, uh, sports, um, you know, UFC, whatever. Like, you do what you can to bring it back to recreate it or whatever, but, but, but specifically PFL and Bellator's uh, Featherweight Grand Prix, man, it is what it is. You just say, oh, well, what can you do? And, and just try to hope that we have exciting fights. That's it. I mean, I'm interested to see what happens. Um, I guess for a young guy like AJ, you feel, I mean, he hasn't fought since I think about, it's, it should be more than a year. No, it'll be, yeah, it's going to be about a year last December. Yeah, And so you think about, I know that Scott Coker said, ideally, he hopes to wrap this up by like April or May. So he's hoping that uh, Sanchez is good and Pitbull's down, that they fight in January, probably. And then that gets moved along. But, you know, I mean, 
Sanchez, like, that's a long fight. I mean, his hand's probably still swollen, stuff like that. So, I don't know. It, it's tough. It's tough for me to say that Pitbull's going to pull the trigger and do three relatively, you know, three fights relatively quick back to back. Remember, he actually chose the March date against Pedro. He said it was because of the timing, not the matchup, but he said he wanted a break. Like, he's had yeah. a busy year, and it's like, you're not getting a break if you want to fight in May in the final. So, something's going to have to give. I think that they're going to ask a lot of Pitbull personally to, you know, because he's the one I think that, you know, Sanchez is going to be down because why wouldn't you be if you're ready? But I think Pitbull's the one, you know, it's going to be on him. Like, and look, he's earned it. He's the best fighter Bellator has, arguably. Um, Gabriel Musasi is right there, obviously, but that that's quite the um, quite the pickle. And I think that they're asking a lot of the champ, but that's what makes it fun too. If he's down, it makes it for quite the compelling storyline. Yeah, man, I was thinking of the exact same thing because we were there when they did the uh, the picks, right? And he was like, "Oh, I would like to take a break." And everyone was like disappointed. Oh, okay, well, whatever. Well, you're not going to get a break now, so <laughs> oh well. And it's been a, it's going to be like a year since all that. And, you know, we talked about it a bit. You can't get back that, those weeks and months and time on your career. So, I mean, look, uh, we've talked about this. It's like, look, the iron is hot, right? Because when you're a double champ like Pitbull, this is where you start taking and winning those legacy fights. Because, you know, the second that train starts to go down, we've all we we talked about this. It's like it's hard to top the high that he's on right now, right? Yeah. So um, you want to get whether it's Caldwell or AJ McKee, you want to get that fight in, but you don't want to wait too long because obviously that clock is always ticking for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we shall see. I'm excited for Thursday. This is a very busy week. You've got a uh, Kale Harrison. Going to Invicta, you've got the Featherweight Grand Prix, AJ and Darian. I think so far it's the most fun fight of the tournament before the final, AJ and Darian, so I like it. And then obviously we've got the pay-per-view on Saturday. And look at that, it's time. I'm not Bruce Buffer, I can't say it like that. but um, It's time. Let's talk about your favorite. Let's get it started. Uh, UFC 255 this Saturday, Las Vegas. Um, the first belt on the line, Valentina Shevchenko taking on Jennifer Maya. I've probably have talked about this fight enough times over the last few weeks that you know how I feel. So I want to toss it to you first. Just how do you see this fight and just wherever you want to attack it from. Here's what I want to attack it from first. <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko has a really snazzy new logo on her Instagram where it's like a bullet with her letters, with her initials somehow fashioned into it. And she's continuing to post these really fun pictures of her shooting guns and out in the river or posing, you know, in front of an old-fashioned car. Okay. Then today she posts a picture where she's wearing a T-shirt, a black T-shirt, and then all over it, just on repeat, are pink handguns. And I was like, this this lady is amazing. She is just like, you couldn't script a woman like this. If you, you know, if you, this is like Ivan Drago, but not even. Because he can't dance, and she can dance. So, like, this woman just blows my mind time and time again. Okay, that's enough of my, you know, Is she more letter. interesting than the guy from the Dos Equis commercial? Like, yes. the female, like, you yeah. know, the most interesting man. The is, most interesting man in the world. Is yes, she, she that is. person? She's because better? Because she's real. Yes. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Well, because, you know, like, she can do a lot of the things that that guy, that fake guy did. And if you gave her time, she could probably do everything that he could do. So, you know, he went to a psychic to tell her, uh, what, what was the joke? I can't remember. <laughs> he went to a psychic to warn her. That's what Valentina Shemtaco is probably going to start doing next. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, let's talk about real. it this Saturday. Yeah. Look, man, it's still, Valentina is still that person that kind of, like, you know, except no offense to Ronda Rousey. She's still kind of that person, though, like during Ronda Rousey's heyday, where it's like, who's going to beat her? How could anyone ever beat her? Well, the answer to beating Ronda Rousey was 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 easy, I guess, relatively easy once you figured it out. The answer to beating Valentina Shevchenko, I don't know, man, because she strikes me as one of the most well-rounded MMA fighters, like, of, you know, the decade. 
um, well, the past decade into this de- decade, so like the, 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 the current and future 20 years span, because, I mean, she can do everything. When she got into the, into the UFC, her striking was, of course, on point, but she just saw her little by little develop that ground game, develop that ground game. She's so strong, she can take anybody down at will. It's like she defeats you on the ground just because, just to practice it. So here's where I stand. Jennifer Maya is an amazing MMA fighter. It's a good matchup. It's a competitive matchup. Ultimately, I think Valentina is just going to have an answer at every point for Maya. And that's it. I think I think that's it, man. Like, there's not much else for me to say. It's Valentina Shevchenko. All right. That's no, no. Very, very fair. Look, I said it that um, she's going to be heavily favored over everybody. Um, and she was heavily favored over JoJo Calderwood and Jennifer Maya. And I've brought this up and I'll say this one last time. Um, unless she wins and then in which case you'll hear me say it again next week. But Jennifer Maya, you know, we were not talking about a title shot. If I'm not mistaken, her fight when before JoJo pulled out was going to be on the prelims. So you're talking about, you know, we're not talking about a title fight. We're talking about if you lose, more importantly, if you were to lose and miss weight a third consecutive time, your UFC job is probably gone and nobody is questioning it. So the fact that Jennifer Maya is in this spot is already should tell you what level of David she is to Valentina's Goliath. So I think that's the first thing. Um, I want to take a break it down. She did perform exactly how she needed to. Her weight was under control. And to be honest, I thought she looked in good form taking out Jojo Calderwood the way she did. Now, two-week notice and all that, I'm not concerned with that. The fact is, if you've had a full camp, you should look like you're on. Jennifer Maya was on. I think stylistically, when I break down these two, um, similar to Felder versus RDA, I think that Jennifer likes to come back to that very conventional Muay Thai stance. She likes to load up on some power shots. She really likes to try to work the body. Um, very powerful. I think that uh, people underestimate just how strong Jennifer is. That being said, I think that the way you get the job done, similar to when we talked about Adesanya and Paulo Costa, you cannot sit there and try to depend on landing one heavy kick to the legs, one big shot when she's in close. You really have to throw the hands, finish with the kick, hide the hands, you know, fake the kick. You really got to mix it up because if you just sit there and get patient, like you're looking for that big shot, that is Valentina's, that's how she's become as great as she is, just waiting for you and picking you apart all day. I think that... um. You saw that a little bit. You've seen what she could do when she really gets in a rhythm. So I think that if Jennifer Maya is going to go to all of her strengths, you really got to make this a dogfight. You got to get in there. You got to try to chop away and you got to force Valentina to get into the pocket with you to make her feel like she's got to do this to get out of the situation and work her game. Now, once again, like you said, it's easier said than done. Do I think that uh, Valentina is technically proficient to stay out of those traps? Yes, I do. But we're talking about, you know, we can't just say it's Valentina Shevchenko and call it a day. Sorry, Natalie. <laughs> but, you know, that that's where we're at. However, I will bring that up. That's, to me, the biggest uh, route to victory. Also, you know, Jennifer, uh, coming from Shootbox, I want to say she's got a great jiu-jitsu background. If you want to test it and you have the opportunity for Valentina also, get on top of her. Get on the mat and make her work off of her back. Because I think for both of them, um, like I said, a lot of people are great at jujitsu. Not as many people are great when they're on their back. A lot of people are killers when they're on top of you working their game. But I think that that's something you want to test. If you feel like that might be a weakness, get her down and make her grapple. And Valentina also, like, hey, you really want to secure this? Take her off of her feet, get rid of that striking, and make her grapple with you and use her jujitsu. So... Yeah, but I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of with you there. I think it's a Valentina second round. Um, she's just going to find those openings and break her down quickly. You know, it's going to be a case of the dominoes falling quickly, I think. I think she's just that girl compared to stylistically Jennifer Maya. So you think she's going to TKO? Yeah, you know, she's just going to land that combination. And then, you know, that was the beginning of the end, you know. 
Yeah. Okay. Wow. What about you? I feel a little guilty because my great love for Valentina. You were going to give Jennifer more time, weren't you? <laughs> I was going to give her till round three. I still am. I think Valentina is going to finish her. I think she's going to submit her, believe it or not. Ooh. I think she's going to submit her. You know, look, Valentina's great at like the multi-limb combo where she's like hand, hand, kick. And she's always screaming. And then her sister, you know, Anthony is in the corner. Hey, hey. Okay, so it's a very vocal uh, fight. So I think she's going to do that. Use her her classic Valentina Shevchenko striking. Um, but as soon as Maya tries to put hands on her, bring her closer to her, I think Valentina is going to say, like, again, I'm complete MMA fighter, right? That's what she says. I think she wants to show that time and time again. I think she's going to... Like, unless she feels she's in a bad position, if she gets taken down, like, she feels like, I'm not in a good position here where, this, where she's trying to take me down, I think she's going to roll with it or just go for the takedown herself. I really do feel a, a submission round three, Valentina Shevchenko. We'll see. I want to bring up a second note about this. So, um, if you remember, Lauren Murphy really did push, and uh, I saw her interview with... um. Mike Heck, MMA Fighting, she did Mm -hmm. say that they had talked a bit about being the backup and the Cynthia Calvillo fight. The fact is, none of that materialized. You do have Caitlin Chukagian, which, by the way, quick turnaround. I think it's going to be just a little over a month from that uh, loss to Jessica Andrade. But Caitlin taking on Cynthia Calvillo. And so you have to imagine, I'll just say bluntly, you know, Jennifer Maya missed weight two in her last three not the last one obviously but if something happens could we see cynthia calvillo suddenly fighting uh, valentina shevchenko this saturday and i just want to toss that out to you to respond to yeah that i mean that would be i mean it certainly wouldn't go to chukagian right so it goes to calvillo but i mean calvillo hasn't fought for a while either but it's like okay well you need someone to fight the champ so you just who who will be the sacrificial lamb uh I love Kelvio though because she's gritty. She has, uh, she has a heart. She's just like ready to roll, and I think she would really show up. But again, even though I can't say it, it's Valentina Shevchenko. So I would be <laughs> excited to see anyone like short notice stuff like this. Is kind of exciting. Valentina Shevchenko wouldn't bat an eyelash. But uh, yeah, I mean, that should kind of be. Cool. That'd be kind of a cool, exciting storyline. Uh, I like Calvio a lot, so I would I wouldn't mind seeing that for her to get her shot. Except, you know, would she have rather had time to prepare? I don't know. Sometimes you gotta go bisping, you know, and just sometimes that 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 could be the more likely scenario for a championship fight to you know end in her favor and Calvio's favor for it to be short notice. I'm sorry, but Habib having like three different opponents. What was it two years ago? For oh, me, yeah. still takes the cake. Yeah. Like you, like think about it. On Sunday, you're getting ready for Tony Ferguson. On Friday, you're ready for Max Holloway. And Saturday night, you're getting in there with Ally Akinta. I mean, Ooh, come on, five man. Five rounds with him. Five <laughs> rounds. I mean, come on. So, but yes, I, I uh, Michael Bisping did have that mentality too. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, just throwing it food for thought. My heart tells me that uh, Jennifer Maya will be on weight and the backup will not be needed. What about you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, she already did yeah. it once before. This is like, it doesn't get any any, any uh, heavier than this. Not, no pun intended, more serious than this. This is it. This is why you're in the UFC. She won't, she won't mess up. She won't blow her shot. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, let's talk about the, you know, the piece de resistance. <laughs> the men's flyweight title fight now. Um, the new popular champ, Davison Figueredo. And then, okay, so we talked about he was a sushi chef and he was a hairdresser, right. a hairstylist. And then I heard on the DC and Hawani, he also used to drive taxi. Oh. And it's like, dude, like, you're, you really had a lot of jobs before this whole fighting thing really took off for you. My point is, you know what? He seems like a very well-rounded individual when he's not throwing down. Um, and I find that very interesting. It's like you've you got to have a lot of stories there, right? Um, sure. I think that for me, uh, let's talk about Alex Perez. I think for one, by the numbers, um, 
he's had it's not like he's stepping in short short notice he's had some time knowing it's going to be Davison so I think that helps him he was already getting ready for a tough fight against Brandon Moreno I think that helps him and then look he's got a little bit of that pressure he is the um he's looking to be the first contender series guy let's take the title out of the way they've had four three chances already uh Edmund um what's his name uh, Augusto Sakai I'm forgetting the third one um dang it who is it I'll get back to me but he's like the th- oh uh Danny Gay third con- he's going to be the fourth contender series guy to try to win a UFC main event ever since the uh-huh. program started so you know that Dana White would love nothing more to be like look you see the road to greatness it comes through Tuesdays you know all of that has got to be a little bit on his mind a little bit the fact that he I'd say he'd be the most unexpected champion of 2020 just because of the nature of the way that it's come together I put it this way at least we've known for months it would be Jennifer Maya possibly against Valentina yeah. Alex, uh, you know, respectfully, when you talk about the casual fan, I think the fans might still struggle to pick Alex Perez out of a lineup. Yeah. All of that bodes well because if he wins, he's about to go wild as he should. Um, l- let me ask you, just uh, you've had some time, you know, it's going to be him. Uh, watch the tape. How do you see this one going with him and Davison? I mean, great, great challenger, great opponent. But the way that Davison demolished Joseph Benavidez twice, that guy's scary, man. He's like, I've never said this about no offense, the 125er. He's terrifying. It's like he's just out there like like a Terminator, and I can't see anyone right now. You know, he, okay, I'll say Alex Perez will probably uh, respectfully do better than, than Joseph Benavidez just the style of fighting a fighter that he is. But Figueredo to me seems, seems unstoppable right now. He's just fearless. And, you know, he just seems like so much, not bigger, but just so much stronger. Like he's got heavy hands, the power that that guy possesses. It's just a little more than I think the 125 division can, can withstand right now. I think to me, Davison, uh, I have to look back at the stats. I feel like he just fights a little bit longer. I think he's got a little bit of height and reach on a lot of the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree with you. He just seems to have a little bit more of that natural explosiveness. Perez, uh, you know, I-, I saw his fights. He's got a decent power and speed for a flyweight, but I think that Davison, you know, they just seem to wince a little bit more when he connects. I- I'm with you right there. I think that he's very dynamic and multifaceted himself. I think that's what makes this a fun fight. I know that Perez, uh, you know, he kind of has that old school style. He's just kind of well-rounded. He's tough. He fights compact. But um, look, he he's game. He kind of gets after it. And I think that's what makes this a very fun fight. I think that as long as it lasts, I think that it's going to be a very, very fun matchup. I don't think, uh, I think just as two forces colliding, you know, uh, that you know, immovable object, unstoppable force. They just have so many weapons and tools between them that I don't see this being a boring fight. Uh, Perez, wrestling background, decent ground game. Like I said, gets after it, gets in your face, high volume, very good. Davison, I think, is more technical. I think that he's going to try to keep, uh, try to work mid-range a lot more, you know, get some kicks going, maybe... Try to make those muscles of Perez feel a little bit heavier and just try to drag this one out a little bit. But um, yeah, if it gets down to stand in the pocket and trade, I think that Davison can hold it, you know, hold his own in there too with a tough guy like Perez. Yeah, man, this is interesting. I, I think we'll definitely have a little bit of a scrap. I say a little bit because I don't think it's going to go that long. It's going to be like a full five-round scrap. But they're going to get after it for sure. Uh, if you're ready for my pick... I'll lay it on you, but I think you know where I'm leaning. Which way I'm leaning? Really, I had no idea. <laughs> Go ahead and tell me. So I think Figueroa's gonna submit. I got another submission call here, two for our our, our uh, flyweight championships. Submit um, Alex Perez in the second round. I think he's gonna. It's gonna be sort of like the uh, Benavides fight. He's gonna hurt him enough, get him on the ground, hurt him enough with punches, get him to the ground, and just find a you know, a neck, a limb or something and, and make him tap out. 
I think we're going the full 25 minutes. Wow. I think that Davison is going to do... Uh, I think the Perez is going to do some early work. I think it's going to be close, but I think Davison is going to get closer and he's going to just uh, do more damage that accumulates and then it's just going to be him late in the fight. I think that that's what's going to happen. It's going to be one of those fights between these two. Wow, okay. All right. Yeah, I just, I, I think these two, they're just going to get after it. I think we're going to have a good long night of MMA, which I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, by the way, I, I wanted to bring this up. Uh, Brandon Moreno does have a new opponent. He's fighting Brandon Roy Val, the new kid on the block for mm. the flyweight division. I like Brandon's attitude. Like I told you, I talked to him, and uh, I was like, well, you know, what's it like? You obviously... You know, Arasanya's there with his crew, and he's like, you know, seeing Arasanya, the city kickboxing guys, it's kind of like being the unpopular one at school, seeing the jocks go by. Because, <laughs> you know, they're just rolling deep with each other and having yeah. fun. And so, uh, look, very simply, you know, a man of the people, Brandon. So, um, and look, he's just enjoying his moment, and I, I really like it. I gotta say, I can't remember so many flyweight fights on a pay-per-view card ever like this uh, i forget who's their fifth person on the undercard off the top of my head but um yeah i i just like this and you know what wouldn't that be something either brandon or brandon uh i just realized that it took me i just realized they're fighting with the same name um but you know what moreno or roy val stepping in for somebody to fight davison why not just in case right Oh, okay. I like that. You got your. I mean, Perez your... was already the backup. He was fighting Brendan Moreno, so it's mm. like you know what? Just in case, why not? Right. So, I like it, plain and simple. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that I think it's good that they're getting their shine, both for the ladies and for the men. Yeah, I mean, I can't complain. Uh, but I like how you're kind of like doomsday on both these championship fights. I'm uh, just uh, hitting all the facts. They're not going to be needed, but, you know, we have a full show. I don't want people to be like, well, how come you never talked about the undercarpet? You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Um, uh, Natalie, initial thoughts. Uh, that's it for this week's show. Next week, uh, the big guys are going to throw down. We're finally getting Curtis Blades taking on Derek Lewis. Um, heavy leather. Either one of those guys gets on top of you. It just seems to make for such a fun fight. What do you think about this one? I love Derek Lewis, so I'm always excited to see him fight. Um, Curtis Blades, you know, yeah, if he gets you down, he'll, you know, ground and pound till the uh, the cows come home. But uh, but but Derek Lewis is who I'm I'm fired up to see. I'll, I'm excited to see him fight anytime. So here's where I always go wrong with heavyweight fights. As soon as they start. I always tell my husband, oh, this is going to end quick. This is going to end fast. It's going to be over. And then it goes five rounds. So, you know, <laughs> let's hope that doesn't happen for this one. I feel like they're going to fight a long time, too. I don't know about the full, you know, 25, but yeah. I just, um, I don't know. I mean, we'll get into it. I got a few thoughts yeah. on how it's going to play out, but it's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it'll be as fun as we hope it may be, just stylistically. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I, <laughs> I get worried. But um, look, it both of these guys, you're talking about a high-stakes heavyweight fight. Like, they are the winner of that one. Also, you could have a conversation if something were to happen to Francis or Jones. Uh, let's talk about being a backup, too. So they're, they've earned that shot too so it's going to make for a very interesting night just really set it up for the heavyweights in 2021 natalie that's it we'll be back guys with the results and everything else next week until then have a good one